Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching to help you face change and adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are your hosts, Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and we are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists. We will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and this is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 30, Mindfulness and Meditation. Hello, Heather. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing because we can see us. I've just been to the eye doctor and they dilate your eyes. And so I've got these saucer pupils. I can't really see my screen. So I've got like my reading glasses, which actually, Heather, I didn't even show you the best part. <laughs> They're totally broken. Oh, no. Yeah, so I'm a bit of a mess. And then I was just saying to Heather, I can't see right now. I already have a hearing loss. And at the exact moment I was talking to her, I got a phone call from my doctor's office who wanted to up a medication that I'm on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty old. But that's well, just that, a thought. <laughs> it is. And it's okay because we got you today. We're talking about mindfulness and meditation, and we're going to bring you right down. That's right. I need to get into a nice zeny mode. Yeah, yeah. So in this podcast, we're focusing on mindfulness and meditation. And I fully admit I'm a novice, but incorporating guided meditation into my daily routine has made a noticeable difference in my life. We're going to break down mindfulness and meditation, how they're similar and different, how they go together, the benefits of each, and how to incorporate them in your life. That's right. Okay, first up, let's talk about our mindfulness and meditation related. You betcha they are. How do you ask? Well, they complement each other, really. They're just compliments. So mindfulness elevates meditation, and meditation does the same thing for mindfulness. Both involve being in wise relationship with the present moment, which is according to John Kabat-Zinn, who actually has a wonderful masterclass that I know, Heather, you have been doing with a lot of your SLP clients. So if people are interested in that, it's a great one. This has never been more relevant and necessary as it is now if you are living on this planet, because let's face it, life is challenging. And there's been lots of evidence to support that mindfulness and meditation helps people who are experiencing stress and pain and illness and overwhelm and all the things that we work with people on. So how are they different? Simply put, very simply, meditation is focusing on nothing and mindfulness is focusing on something. That is an oversimplification for sure. <laughs> meditation is usually practiced for a certain amount of time. And mindfulness can be practiced throughout the day as it unfolds. Meditation is a technique that involves relaxation, focus, and awareness. Learning to meditate is a skill that takes consistent practice. Mindfulness is the ability to be aware and fully engaged in whatever you're doing in the present moment without judgment. That piece is key. We're going to say that over and over today. That means being free from the past and free from the future. Doesn't that sound like a, a nice so place bad. to be? Yeah. 
(laughs) Mindfulness is a form of meditation. So that's how the two are related. For this purpose, or for the purpose of this podcast, we'll refer to it in general terms. We'll just call it mindfulness, a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is referred to as like the entry point of living consciously. So being fully present, fully awake, fully aware, because as humans, we are constantly in action. We're constantly moving and creating and doing. And the cliche is we should be called human doings and not human beings. Because it turns out that we don't do a lot of being in the present moment on purpose, let alone making time for that. So why is being in the present moment so challenging? I don't know about you, Leah, but sitting with my thoughts and feelings about the past, about the present, and about the future has been difficult. Very busy. Very busy. (laughs) Yeah. No one taught me how to be alone with my thoughts and feelings and actually hold space and even open up to them. And that seemed like a terrible idea. Before I started doing this work, I would do anything to resist the discomfort of being. I'd make plans, I'd exercise, surround myself with people. I had conditioned myself to avoid and distract, which is such a human thing to do. And I realize now that no healing comes from that. Whatever you're resisting in your life, and it could be internal, like your own thoughts or feelings, or it could be external, like someone in your life. It's really an invitation to pause and lean into the discomfort with curiosity and compassion. And this is how my journey to mindfulness and meditation began. Yeah. And it's interesting when we talk about just being in the present moment and just doing nothing. My husband yesterday sent me an article and it's about Nixon, N-I-K-S-E-N. So I may not be saying that right. And it is the Dutch art of purposefully doing nothing. Nothing. And so he sent me this article to read because he he said, you could probably do with a little bit more of this nothing. And I was blown away. There's a whole concept about this. So we'll have to do a podcast on, on another time. But it just reminded me as you were talking about the idea of just sitting there in the present. I do have a hard time with it. I love that. You know, there is something about the art of sitting there and and doing nothing and uh, being mindful like this. Because what I love about meditation and mindfulness is wherever you are is the perfect place to start. So as John Kabat-Zinn says, the practice is inviting us to recognize just how big and beautiful and whole we really are. We already are. And mindfulness and meditation are about pouring energy, attention, and awareness into what's right with you, not what's wrong with you. And if we use Zabit-Zinn's definition of mindfulness, he says, the awareness that arises from paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. There it is again, non-judgmentally. So Mm -hmm. let's break down some of these important components in this definition. Okay, first you have awareness, and Kabat-Zinn refers to this as our human gift or superpower. It's even more powerful than our thoughts because awareness gives us space to hold our thoughts. That was such a mind-blowing concept to me. We're born with the gift of being aware, but our access to this awareness is blocked by our critical thinking, our rational thinking. Okay, the next is paying attention on purpose. This is intentional. It's intentionally choosing to fully engage in your life in the now. It's completely opposite from autopilot, 
which is what we do only 95% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have much practice with that at all. And then present. So our thinking transports anywhere but the present. So how many of your thoughts are about the past or about the future? But when we anchor our thinking in what is happening right now, like inside, and that will include our thoughts, our opinions, our feelings, or what is happening outside, see, hear, touch, taste, smell, we anchor ourselves to the present. Without judgment. So this is the last one. Now, this doesn't mean that you won't have judgment. Actually, it means the opposite, but it's to become aware of how judgmental humans really are and to notice our judgment, all of our thoughts, all of our opinions, our likes, our dislikes, but to be intentional about not adding layers on by judging our judgment. And this is where the practice of kindness and patience and compassion comes into play. Yeah, and I love that you brought that up because I think when we talk about not being non-judgmental, so many times we get judgmental about ourselves. Oh, I'm so judgmental. I wish I was more non-judgmental. And I love just putting it out there. Listen, we are all judgmental. All of us. We all are judgmental. Let's just stop having judgments about it. Let's just accept that being judgmental is part of our human experience. It doesn't mean we have to act on our judgments. It doesn't mean we have to do anything with those judgments, but they're going to be there. We don't have to chase them away. We don't have to be ashamed of them. We just have to, okay, there it is. Interesting to note, I have a judgment about that. And don't you find that when we're talking about mindfulness and meditation, everyone is, oh, I tried that. I'm not good at it. That's yeah. the first thing that they say, right? I'm not good at it. That's the first thing I say, totally. I, yeah. I know. Like, all I can do is sit there and then it's like Julia Roberts and in Eat, Pray, Love and yeah. her mind cannot focus. Little on bad, <laughs> and then she looks up at the clock and one whole minute had passed. <laughs> oh, I so relate to that. And even when I, I watch that movie, because as I know it's one of our favorite movies, both of us, <laughs> but when I watch it and I see how she eventually gets really into it and she's able to do it, in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could never do that. Like, she was able to do it, but I could never. I'm at the beginning stages of my meditation practices where I'm like, I struggle. I struggle. Yeah. And I have lots of judgment about it. Why is it that I struggle? But it's dropping that judgment. Okay, meditation, mindfulness, it's going to be challenging. It's okay. Yeah. Even one minute is helpful. Yep. So let's talk a bit about what mindfulness is not. It's not a concept it's actually a way of being. And as wonderful as it may sound, it's also not a quick fix. So it's not like you incorporate a guided meditation into your day and suddenly all of your problems vanish. Is that true? (laughs) Maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. I incorporate the meditation and I'm like, why do I still have problems? But it is a practice. Much like training for a marathon, which I have judgmental thoughts about myself, whether I'd be able to do that as well. But anyhow. It's really about mind training and it takes consistency and practice. And meditation is not about emptying your mind. Trying to accomplish this will surely drive you crazy. And I think that's where I have made a lot of mistakes, wanting to empty my mind. But it's about being aware of what's happening in your mind. If and when it wanders, and this is very common, you just calmly bring back your focus back to what's happening right now. And when you're fully present to what is unfolding now, you open up your thoughts and your feelings that you're experiencing in that moment 
however pleasant or unpleasant or neutral they are. So that means you open up to and you embrace all of it, even the unwanted thoughts and feelings. And that's how you change your relationship to the circumstance or thought or feeling. That's actually the work that we do in coaching. Okay, mindfulness is not about getting somewhere. And remember, it's not about going or doing. It's simply about being. And you don't have to get anywhere else. And as Kabat-Zinn says, it might be valuable to be here since you already are. Wherever you go, there you are. And this is because you take your brain with you. There is no escaping you or your brain. (laughs) And what motivates people to do it is things we often find adversity when people are facing challenges or struggles that life isn't working the way they want it to work. They're suffering. They may be experiencing stress or pain or illness. You may not be feeling anchored in your own body or mind, and you may feel like something is missing. You want to heal. So there's a whole bunch of factors that will motivate you, and whatever factors motivate you, consider them to be an invitation to just put your foot in the door of starting a mindfulness practice. In my experience, when you find yourself in a new situation, like a challenging life experience, all of the pain, the suffering, the stress, everything that needs healing, kind of bubbles up to the surface. And if you don't give yourself a moment to pause, to breathe, to ground yourself, you'll do what you've always done. And no healing comes from that. This is, again, an invitation to listen to your inner wisdom, to open up to the experience, to all of the feelings and the thoughts, however unwanted they may be. And this is when you can really ask yourself, what am I going to do about this time? And Ianla Van Sant says, so the lesson is, to pause. (laughs) We go from being 20 to 30 years old without a pause, 30 to 40 without a pause. We go from one job to the next, one relationship to the next, all without a pause. And it is within the pausing that opens up to the healing. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. So the foundations of mindfulness, we want to keep in mind some of these things, and we've already addressed a couple of them. So the first one, let's just say it again for the people who didn't hear it in the back. Mindfulness (laughs) is rooted in non-judgment. This means we recognize that as humans, we're constantly judging what we like, what we don't like, what we want, what we don't like. But we don't just add layers to this judgment by judging our tendency to judge. For example, when you're practicing mindfulness, you may notice your mind wandering, and that's what our mind does. It's perfectly normal. Our thoughts happen so quickly that we might not even be aware when we're getting off track for a while or how we even got there because the thought that triggered us to get back off track was like 10 thoughts ago. So when you notice you've lost focus on your breath or the moment, just gently and kindly bring your mind back to the present without judgment. We often create our own suffering because of the story our mind tells us or how it explains something that's happened or is happening. Now, there's a Buddhist parable called the second arrow that says, whenever we suffer a misfortune, two arrows fly your way. The first arrow is the painful event, illness, stubbing your toe, having a fire, a relationship ending, loss, loss or adversities in your life that happen that are often not within our control. Now, how we respond or react to the first arrow is the second arrow. This is the story we tell ourselves about that first arrow, the layers of unwanted thoughts and emotions that we pile on to the initial assault. So the second arrow is how we create our own suffering. So we have the right to make an intentional choice not to do that. 
Yeah, and this is how we help our clients through coaching and ourselves in self-coaching. It's to train your brain to notice the noise your mind is creating, to evaluate whether the thoughts you're having are helpful or not, and if not, why not? We want to recognize that by amplifying or over-exaggerating and emphasizing the problem, it's only going to make it worse. When the volume is turned up full blast in your mind, there's no way you can listen to your inner wisdom. So you need to quiet the noise. And I heard this recently. Freedom is the freedom from yourself, not for yourself. Isn't that good? (laughs) There's so much truth in that. And when you give yourself time and space to choose your response, there we go, Viktor Frankl, again, the space between stimulus and response, we realize that you are in full control of how you fill that space between stimulus and response. And that is so empowering. So mindfulness is also rooted in patience. And much like judgment, this is about recognizing just how impatient we are. Not adding layers by judging it or becoming impatient by our impatience. The reality is life is so fast-paced and often results-oriented. We live in the future, and so we just want a quick fix, and we want quick results, immediate gratification. Now, just think of texting or emailing, the click culture, as Kabat-Zinn calls it. As we wait for someone to respond to us, if they don't do it right away, we can sometimes dysregulate making up a bunch of stuff in our mind about all the things that they could be thinking or not thinking. And remember the the classic dot when someone's writing? (laughs) And it can be so anxiety provoking. Totally, totally. And you know what we're not doing when we're focusing on the future? Living in the present. And the consequence is that you miss out on the most important moments of your life with the excuse of, I was too busy. So patience is like a lens that's available to all of us to recognize the urge to respond or react to a stimulus, to pause, like Yelna Van Zandt, on purpose, instead in an effort to intentionally slow things down. Mm-hmm. You gotta slow it all down. Now, the third thing about mindfulness is it's rooted in a beginner's mind, which is also the, I don't know, mind, the curious mind, the open to possibility mind. And this is about admitting that you don't know everything. It's about having the mindset, even with things that you're very familiar with, of openness, possibility, and excitement, and the willingness to be curious about what you don't already know or to fine-tune what you do already know. I know that Marie Forleo, she talks about how one of the worst things that you can do when you're going into a situation to learn is have the thought, I already know this. Because the second you have that thought, it shuts your brain down from being open to new things. So sometimes when I'll be working with a client, and it just happened the other day, I was working with a client and I was teaching them something and the response was, yeah, I already know this. I already know that. And I was just like, yeah, me too. I've been teaching it for 22 years, (laughs) but every single time I teach it, I can have the experience of learning something new. So that beginner's mind is so important. See the world with that fresh set of eyes, with fresh thoughts from different angles, and allow yourself to be in the present, not thinking about something you've already learned in the past about it. But here I am, what am I supposed to learn now about it? Okay, the fourth thing, mindfulness is rooted in trust, in self-worthiness, in our own authenticity. 
It's our mind's default to live in the past and the future. Now we can become overwhelmed of all the uncertainty in life with any circumstance we don't have control over. We live in what if instead of what is. And when you pause and open up to what's happening in this present moment, there actually is a lot of certainty in our heart beating, in our breath, in what you see and you hear and you feel. And it's interesting to note that you've survived every moment to get to this point and will survive every moment in the future. So mindfulness brings us back to recognizing what is instead of what if. Mm -hmm. And lastly, mindfulness is rooted in acceptance. So this is seeing reality exactly as it is, like the truth for what it is. It also involves trusting your own instincts. And this does not mean giving up or being passive. It's just about recognizing truth and gaining insight and clarity and choosing an intentional response. So let's talk about some of the benefits of paying attention, being intentional and staying in the present in whatever you are doing, the why of meditation. And this is important to understand considering Harvard researchers found that we spend up to 50% of our lives distracted by the past or the future rather than being fully in the present. And this can cause us so many issues, stress, anxiety, and depression, but regularly practicing mindfulness even for a few minutes can help your brain create new pathways that will help reduce anxiety, depression, and stress. And it can also help improve sleep, lower blood pressure, and even reduce pain. And one of the best things about mindfulness, it has all those benefits and it is absolutely free. There are no negative side effects of mindfulness. And that is pretty cool. So whatever you're facing in life, whether you're dealing with a physical or a mental challenge, an illness, an injury, overwhelm, stress, mindfulness and meditation will likely now even be prescribed as part of your recovery treatments. Reason being, in recent years, there have been more and more studies and larger randomized control trials showing more how meditation actually works and really putting the science behind what people who have practiced it for years have known all along. We're just getting the actual research and data on it. Okay, so the first benefit, meditation gives your brain a boost. Of course, I'll start with this one. Doing meditation on a consistent basis can make your brain sharper. They've done studies which showed that the two weeks of mindfulness training improved GRE scores or reading comprehension scores and working memory capacity for participants who were prone to distraction during testing. Although they're not completely sure why and how, the research is finding that meditation might actually make parts of your brain thicker, increasing areas typically responsible for attention and self-awareness. The second thing they have found with meditation is it helps fight premature aging. And this is actually though, it's related to stress. So did you know that unmanaged stress is one of the greatest causes of aging? It increases your risk of heart disease, stroke, and cancer. So the research has really found that meditation works through reducing the aging effects of stress. Okay, number three, mindfulness improves your overall mental health. Again, the strongest link we have between meditation and overall health is its ability to reduce stress which, as I just mentioned, causes many serious conditions, heart disease, obesity, even anxiety. But we know that mindfulness can boost your mood and reduce anxiety and lower depression. That's why you'll see that in most treatment protocols for anxiety, stress, and depression, and chronic pain even, 
meditation is on the list. Mm -hmm. So meditation, the fourth benefit is it reduces inflammation. So inflammation is actually the body's reaction to something that it doesn't want there, which is a good thing except when it's not. So chronic inflammation causes structural changes in your body and has been tied to chronic diseases like cancer, diabetes, IBS, and even Alzheimer's. So meditation has been said to have the potential to actually reduce chronic inflammation in your body. The fifth benefit, it can even keep the common cold away. Studies have shown that meditation reduced your susceptibility to colds. They think that it's related to the relaxing effect of meditation because again, stress can get in the way of your immune system fighting an infection. So reducing stress is key for this too. All right. Meditation for number six can also help control your cravings. Now, I think most of us have recognized that mindless eating can be a problem. And what meditation actually does is it breaks a link between the urge and the action. Again, it creates that space. So it inserts the space between both of them. And we don't get all caught up in the urge and we can be curious as to what the urge is for. We can explore it and not obey the urge to fill it with whatever our craving is for. Okay, number seven. Meditation can help with pain. Now, this is a big one. However, meditation does not exactly change the pain, but what it does is it reduces brain activity in areas associated with sensation. So it changes our relationship to the sensation, to the feeling. It helps your brain reframe the pain and make it easier to experience. And lastly, meditation helps us sleep. So again, it's, it has a relaxing effect, which can increase our ability to fall asleep and to stay asleep. And we know that sleep is important for almost anything and everything that we do. And we'll end up doing probably a podcast coming up about sleep. So we won't get into it too deeply here, but just know that meditation is a good way for you to be improving your sleep hygiene. Okay, so let's shift to how do you get started? The best part of mindfulness is it's super easy to do. No equipment is needed, no designated program, no training, no specific time, just a willingness to try it out. Now, here are some super easy ways to incorporate mindfulness into your routine. Number one, in the morning, before you get out of bed, take a few deep breaths. Focus on the rhythm of your breathing just for a few minutes. And if you want, you can then ask yourself, what kind of day am I going to create for myself today? And then you can focus on that goal just for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Sort of setting your intentions for the day. Another way you can incorporate mindfulness in a very easy way is in the shower. Just stop and pause in the shower and feel the water as it cascades over you. Wash your hair and your body. Just being aware of every motion, like how it feels. And then just letting the water flow over you, washing everything away. Okay, number three is mealtime. And this is an amazing time to be mindful. So many of us eat without even thinking about what we're eating. And this, is, this can lead to so many different things like overeating and weight gain. So when you sit down with your meal, savor each bite. Notice how the food smells, what the texture's like, how it tastes. You can really, can you distinguish the different flavors? Can you taste each and every ingredient? Ask yourself if you want it, 
What is it doing for your body? Is it fueling it? Is it giving it nutrition or energy? Or are you just enjoying it? Making every mouthful count. And take your time. Really pause during your bites and don't rush through it. Okay, so the fourth way you can incorporate mindfulness is when you are going outside. So Danny Penman was a co-author of the book Mindfulness, A Practical Guide to Finding Peace in a Frantic World. And he suggests what you can call like a scavenger meditation, that you will go around and you collect three or five objects that catch your eye, and then you spend time focusing on each one, paying close attention to what it looks like, what it sounds like, the beauty of it, the different between the objects and you notice if you feel anything different with each one does it trigger any good memories so it's really finding these objects and then being aware and very curious about them all right this brings us to number five while walking i think this is one of my favorite ones you can actually rest and recharge And it's great to use walking time to catch up on podcasts listen to music or even talk to some people on the phone but if you're doing a mindful walk As you're walking, start to take in your environment. Slow down and tune into the surroundings. Look around you. Take in everything you see. Focus on your breathing. Feel the pavement or grass maybe under your feet (laughs) or sand. That would be nice, Leah. You may even want to create a mantra that you can find calming and inspiring and pair it with your breathing. Or you can choose a word mantra such as energy, joy, or even repeat something that you want to release, such as anxiety, stress, fear, and imagine yourself letting it go with each exhale. Yeah, that's right. I do love the walking meditations, getting really present. But another way to do it is actually during more energetic movement. You can practice mindfulness while engaging in more aerobic type exercise. And research has shown that combining the aerobic exercise with mindfulness can actually reduce like depression and ruminative thinking by up to 40%. So it's really effective to combine each activity than to do each one separately. So if as you exercise, you want to focus on what you're hearing around you, what you feel like. And if you feel your mind wandering, then you gently want to try to bring it back to the sounds that are around you. Okay. You can also practice mindfulness while you're driving and driving can be a great opportunity to do this. Often people think that traffic and commuting are stressful, but you can turn it into time to stop and to actually take a few breaths, focus on your breathing, and then check your body for tension. You can even do the wet noodle or the rag doll to release the tension. Yeah, totally. While you're sitting at a light or sitting in traffic, like just let your body go and just relax. And lastly, at bedtime. So lying in bed at night is a great time to practice mindfulness. You can take in a few deep breaths and then do a quick body scan and where you tense and release your muscles. That's kind of what a body scan is. You tense everything up and then you just relax them and you go through body part by body part. So you can start at your toes and work your way up your body and notice any sensation, any tension and try to relax all body parts. So you're getting your body to a really nice relaxed state. So it's much easier to fall asleep when you do that or to get back asleep. Trying that when you wake up during the night, having trouble getting back to sleep. Okay, so these are just a few ways that you can incorporate mindfulness into your life. There's no one right way to do it, so just play around, try things. The goal is just to be fully present. 
Sometimes people find it helpful to try some activities that force them to be in the present, like playing music or doing puzzles, creating art, anything that helps you stay in the present moment. Whatever works for you, remember it's a great place to start. All right, so that's what we have for you today. So in this podcast, we focused on mindfulness and meditation. We broke down how they're similar and different, how they go together, the benefits of each, and how you can start incorporating, if you don't already, all of these different things into your life. So let us know what you do. How do you incorporate mindfulness and meditation into your life? You could head on over to our Instagram at hl.lifecoaching or our Facebook group, which is the Building Resilience Club. And let us know the ways that you have found mindfulness has been incorporated in your life and how it has helped you. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you are interested in a little bit of weekly motivation, want to be kept in the know about upcoming free classes and resources, new podcast episodes, and other ways of working with us, please go subscribe to our weekly email. You can subscribe at www.hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Again, that's www.hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you again soon.